Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Roy Schoenberg. He's the president and CEO of Amwell. Roy, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Nick. So as I do with all my guests, I think it's important to get a little bit of context before we get into uh, some of the details of your history and how you arrived uh, at this point in your career. Tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to this point. Sure, I'll, I'll probably take the shorter version <laughs> of it. Um, but as you can as you can hear from my accent, I wasn't I wasn't born here. I was born in Israel many many years ago. Uh, trained in medicine there, and then gradually started gravitating toward technology, which was you know this was the dawn of the internet and a whole lot of, of you know very nice things to to follow. Um, and has been involved since since then uh, in three different companies that created various different solutions that utilize technology for healthcare, very much inside the healthcare world. Um, and then uh, moved from Israel to Boston for a stint at a, at a local university here uh, and stayed. And uh, back, in, uh, back in 2006, uh, when it became apparent that, uh, that technology and the web and the internet can actually do much more than just you know, put content on pages, uh, we started Amwell with the thinking that if we could allow clinicians who have the time to see a patient and are not in front of one at the point in time to be seen by patients who need to see clinicians but have challenges in getting in front of them, maybe we're onto something. Later, this became telehealth, but uh, that was that was the beginning, and we're you know we've been there ever since. Um, I, well, so first of all, I, you and I share a little bit of common background. Most people pick up that I'm not from around these parts. You pick up that deep Alabama accent have an for me, accent I'm sure. There, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, it, it, you know, I've, I've said this on the show uh, before, and, you know, it won't be a surprise to some people, but, you know, telehealth was two years away for the last 10 years. Yep. And I was saying it was still two years away. And that was dating back to the NASA times when they were doing telehealth with their astronauts. Um, you know, interesting, I learned just recently that Apollo 15 had some very significant uh, medical uh, details that wasn't publicly known at the time uh, for one of the astronauts, but they were covering. So, you know, there's a long history and we got to this point, pandemic arrived, and suddenly everybody was doing telehealth. Um, you know, you seemed like a, a, a true seer of the future, I'm sure, at this point, and hopefully in a good position. But we're still sort of muddling through this. Help us understand where you think things have gotten to at this point with the acceleration. But then I think some people are pausing and going, is this what we really want? Well, I think this is this is uh, not unlike a lot of other technologies. Uh, the people that develop technologies are usually over optimistic about how quickly they're going to get adopted because it it's great. I mean, how could it possibly not be the best thing since sliced bread? And it's true about a lot of technologies. I think in healthcare it is even more so because 
there are a lot of subtleties and a lot of dimensions in healthcare that are not immediately visible. The, when we go to see a clinician, it isn't just about getting a medication or, or treatment. It's a lot about reassurance. It's about trust. It's about knowing that at a point where we're vulnerable, we're in good hands. And when you build technologies that in any way you look at them, reinvent the way that people are interacting with clinicians, getting those parts right is something that goes way beyond technology. It's an art. It is people's interaction uh, for not just, you know, screens or, or video conferencing. And I think the part that has changed dramatically, you know, with COVID is that, like it or not, maybe maybe because it was shoved into our throats, you know, during COVID, I think that people crossed over to the point where they were getting comfortable with maintaining relationship with clinicians over this technology. The video conferencing was always okay. It got better with years and, mm. you know, bandwidth and all of those kind of things. But it is really about how people learn to maintain a comfortable relationship with clinicians that made the difference. And I would be the first one to say that that part should really be attributed not to the technology or the telehealth companies like, like us and, and others, but rather to primarily clinicians that in my mind have taken this technology over to a new ocean of opportunities because they realize that they're going to maintain those relationships over it. Um, and that is why probably it took a while to get here, uh, but we are in a different place now. Yeah, I, I think credit where credit is due, and you're, you're right, it was the adoption um, in part forced, I think there was, you know, I put a spectrum of folks. There were some that were absolutely pushed and, well, I've got no choice, no problem, uh, all the way through to folks that were already there going, really, you're only just here. Um, but you're right. There was this generalized, actually, this is a lot better than people had imagined, certainly for, for those that were on the negative side. And I think we've seen the expansion that has been good for for everybody, but it's come with some challenges. I mean, it's it's it it has its own limitations. Um, it's two dimensional. I think we've seen a little bit of fatigue with this. It needs to be seen in the context of you know a broader sense of taking care. How do you see that developing now, given what I would imagine is a two to three year? accelerated learning opportunity for everybody involved yeah i think the uh i think the word balance the word balance is probably key here in a way telehealth is a care setting to those who are not in the midst of healthcare lingo a care setting can be a physician office it can be an outpatient clinic it can be an er it can be an inpatient bed in a hospital these are all care settings that have been very well defined within the con construct of, of care delivery we know today that there are things that you can do in each one of them that are appropriate and things that you cannot if your pcp is going to have an open heart bypass operation in their community practice that won't go very well I think the understanding is that these technologies are not an alternative. These technologies must be woven into the way that we surround our patients. And to different patients at different times, they will offer different value. 
sometimes, you know, we, we got familiar with telehealth as a convenience instrument, right? I mean, people who had the flu and, you know, needed a ZPAC very quickly. So it served along the line of quickly getting a solution. The value of telehealth for an elder patient who lives with cancer in their home or, or lives with a chronic condition in their home and have the ability to be maybe even every day being checked up upon by their nurse or their clinician in their home to see how they're doing. Are they taking their medication? Do they have side effects? Are they, are they comfortable? By the way, there are other dimensions that are not just medication, like you know behavioral elements and so on. When we start thinking about the technology utilized in that way, what we give those patients who are at home is the opportunity to actually stay there longer, which is where people want to age. I'm, I'm giving these as two examples. You know, on one hand, you have the blind date, give me a ZPAC. <laughs> to the other side of maybe I can actually stay home longer before I have to be sucked into a skilled nursing facility or, or something else. This just gives you a better understanding of where the technology can be applied. Proper application of the technology is an art that we're still learning. It depends on patients' comfort level with it. It depends on clinicians' comfort level with it. It depends on reinventing the notion of collaborative care, because you have a lot of different people that can interact with the patient. And then there's a whole fun stuff that people don't like to talk about, like what are we going to do with with reimbursement? What are we going to do with payment schedules? What are we going to do with, with RVUs, you know, inside institutions and, you know, efficiency metrics and, and where's the record going to be? And 15 million other things that we have to rethink completely in a world where healthcare surround patients over technology rather than in its buildings. Kind of coming back to the answer to your question, I think that it is, it isn't right or wrong, it's whether you're using it with the right balance for the patient that's in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And, you know, as I'm, I'm thinking about the patients who, who jumped into this, and we saw a spectrum. I mean, I think it, it, it's, you know, it's important not to discount some of the inequity that already existed that, you know, got amplified through some of this. Um, you know, I've heard some you know, quite frankly, awful challenges for some people who ended up having consults in their car because that was the only place that they could have, not typically on the clinician side, but, you know, um, lack of privacy, lack of available resources, you know, those things. And, you know, those are challenging problems. But I think in general, it, it, it expanded access and people adopted it. And, you know, ultimately, I think we'll see it as, to your point of, it's just a, a care setting, I think is the appropriate way to see it. But how do we adapt and adjust to, to this new world? Because that's completely different to where we were before. Even though we had it, it just, it wasn't part of the care setting. I mean, it was just an outlier, I want to say. I mean, it shouldn't have right. been, but it was. How do we get there? What are the new, what's the new age for this? Well, the, the good news, maybe a bad news too, is that the train is out of the station, right? We can say whatever we want. This is not going to stop for anybody. And in its evolution, sometimes it's going to be pulled by people that live in geographies that have access challenges. Sometimes it's going to get pushed by healthcare institutions that can become more efficient by 
doing, for example, post-surgical follow-up through telehealth rather than consuming the resources, you know, of an in-hospital in visit and so on, it's going to come in a lot of different flavors because different populations will be more amenable to it. That's a good thing in some cases that also extends the digital divide with patients, people who are less technologically savvy and so on. But it is out of the station because it is now inevitable that some part of our healthcare will be carried out over technology. And it's shocking that we're having this conversation because on any other industry, you would say, duh, of course, part of how that industry operates is over technology. But funnily enough, in healthcare, we managed to kind of push it and push it and push it away from us. I think that, you know, maybe the analogy that I would think of is if you think about Amazon, everybody relates to Amazon, right? If you think about Amazon for many, many years, the ingenious model of selling books online was really the first 10 years or so of Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it's a brilliant model not to sell books, which was how bad analysts were evaluating the value of Amazon, but how many books could it sell? It was a way to understand how to create online retail infrastructure. Mm -hmm. How do you discover the goods? How do you procure them? How do you price them? How do you package? How do you sell them? How do you return them? How do you get a credit card to the naysayers at the time that didn't like to plug a credit card into a website and, and so on and so forth? What's the return policy and all of that kind of stuff? And then once Jeff Bezos and friends realized that they had that in place, it became the store of everything. Mm -hmm. And then we cannot, you know, any retail organization that didn't adjust and adapt disappeared. That is, sadly, or, or maybe positively, is what is going to happen inevitably with healthcare. And organizations, be there on the payer side, on the risk side of things, or be there on the delivery side, that will not begin to speak this language and find how doing their business over technology complements and potentially enhances what they traditionally did before, I think, not me saying this, but in any other industry, if you look, if you reject it, it does not spell good news. So there's going to be trial and error. There's going to be a change in the landscape. There's going to be new innovators that are going to um, prevail and are going to become much larger in this new world. There's going to be change in the rules and regulations of healthcare. I think that the battleground on what are we going to do with state lines and state licensure is, is just in front of us. I think it's inevitable. We have to think about it. I think the model of care of how a local PCP in West Texas, God bless them for the work that they do, could actually recognize that the care of their leukemia patient could benefit from their ongoing interaction with an oncologist from Dana-Farber in Boston. And egos will have to change, right? We, we Clinicians don't ask for directions, right? I mean, we, we like to think we know what to do with a patient, but the world of knowledge on how to manage that patient will now be essentially crowdsourced to a lot of specialists that are coming from different places. All of these are enormous changes to how we're going to experience healthcare. 
For those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Roy Schoenberg. He's the president and CEO of Amwell. We were just talking about the changing landscape um, of uh, the the delivery of care. I think, uh, you, you know, as you rightly cited, uh, you know, an update to the rules and regulations. In, in fact, just this past week, um, the Honorable David uh, Shulkin published a piece talking specifically to that point um, uh, you know, h- highlighting that the VA has been doing that. There's there's no borders in the VA. There's these sort of little sure. um, channels that exist that allow for, obviously, uh, you know, the logical practice of medicine. So I think, you know, as you rightly say, that train has left the station. If you're not on board the train, you're watching it leave. Um, as you think about this and the changing landscape, what does that look like for you? Well, I think the biggest change for us has been that, you know, we were fortunate enough to be there with, you know, with with technology at the time that people were beginning to use telehealth like books, urgent care, for the most part. It's a very simple product. You know, usually it doesn't have a history. It doesn't have a future. You're connecting with a clinician who's available. You see them, they give, they do something with you and, and, and everybody parts ways. Um, And that gave us the ability to be involved in the telehealth discussion for a lot of organizations on on the health plan side and on the delivery side. Now, we have to change. And we have to change because the aspirations of these organizations on how to use these technologies couldn't be more different than where they were even five years ago. Every health plan has to offer an urgent care benefit to its membership. Every employer has to offer health, you know, telehealth urgent care benefit. But health health plans are rethinking primary care altogether. Health systems are thinking about how their clinicians can cover for services over technology rather than be staffed into a floor of every building in every one of their campuses. The, the, The notion of how we surround patients that are at risk uh, before they get into a hospital, after they leave the hospital, during the time where they are under readmission risk or whatever it is, all of these conversations are now being held at the boardrooms of all of these organizations. And what we need to do is to understand where the puck is going to be. And I would say that if there is any attribute that I would I would used to characterize where that puck is going to be is that it will not be an end product. These technologies will become foundational platforms of how healthcare is being rendered, just like other foundational platforms in healthcare, like EHRs, claim and eligibility systems, payment system, prescription routing systems, and so on. These are all domains of technology on which healthcare lives. And digital care delivery platforms, which is my better way of describing telehealth these days, I think is joining the rank of those as a foundational platform. And and it needs to be built completely differently because of that. So as I listen to you, I think, um, you know, it's not it's no longer telehealth or, you know, digital health delivery, but just health. It's part of that care setting um, premise that you described, um, you know, very succinctly as 
the appropriate delivery of care in whatever channel um, is the appropriate channel. We can't put to the side the issue of the regulatory and the the uh, billing and so forth because that's still going through its ruminations. We see a little bit of this push pull. The floodgates are open now. People are going. Well, you know, maybe it's different. How do you see that developing? If you ever, if you ever took a bet on how speedy the government is going to be, I think you you pretty much kind of always lose. I, I think the let me put it this way. I think there is a silver lining. Historically, regulations moved with the decision making and the alignment and the consensus of the people that did healthcare. The doctors, the hospitals, the health plans, you know, and so on, Medicare, and et cetera. And it took a while. Every change took a while. Glacial is the word. I think the difference here is because these technologies uniquely represent a completely different kind of healthcare experience to patients, we will be so much better off in the way that we experience healthcare if these technologies were allowed to take their rightful position in the delivery of care. There is a notion that we've never heard in healthcare, which is popular demand. This is going to be driven forward by people that say it makes no sense for me to not be able to get the healthcare I need because I live across state line and on the other side is the oncologist that I need to see. And nobody will persuade me that we are all better off by preventing me from getting the care that I need. These are the kind of arguments that you never heard in healthcare before, but it is the power of the people that is going to move this technology forward. And frankly, I think like the French Revolution, it's unstoppable. I uh, I have to say I applaud that uh, perspective and, you know, concur 100%. The, the idea that you can put this particular genie back in the bottle and explain to anybody that, you know, that really expert individual who knows my case, my individual details, because he lives in a different state, can't be seeing me uh, through whatever means is, you know, quite frankly, unacceptable. Um, and I, I like that. Popular demand is going to drive uh, drivers towards that. So given that as the sort of undercurrent, um, what are you excited about for, for the coming months? I think we are literally just crossing, we're going over a corner where we think of these technologies as a way to do healthcare on our phone or in our home. So we think about it as a change in the place where healthcare happens. The part that I think is more exciting is when we think about these technologies changing how we are surrounded by healthcare. Healthcare itself, the practice of medicine, is going to change the arrival of automated care, automated companionship, digital companionship in the home. Those are things that are unraveling right in front of us. And I'm excited because I have a hope that when I grow old, that is going to be how the world will surround me with what I need. And I think we're we're seeing this happening. So we're lucky to be here. Yeah, I, I concur. I always uh, express this, that, you know, my desire to 
I, I don't want to say fix the healthcare system because I, I bristle a little bit when people say it's broken. It's not broken. It's working as designed. We need to change the design. Um, but it's not an entirely altruistic uh, notion. I'm looking for it to be fixed so that uh, I have an opportunity to access the care that's necessary as I need more and more of those services. Um, and, you know, as as you describe it, I think this popular demand and you know, once again, it's this silver lining, I hesitate to say it, from the pandemic that has pushed us forward and found us, you know, in this position that says what we did before is unacceptable and this is the way that we move forward. I'm excited with you. Roy, as usual, we've run out of time. It just remains for me to thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 